0: Hi, I'm Melissa. Hi, I'm Kara. And you're listening to Cultivated Conversations, a space where we talk about life, family, work, where we're getting it right, and where we're getting it wrong. And what it means to live and purchase ethically in a fast moving world.
1: Grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, pull a seat up at the table, and know that wherever you are on your journey, you belong, and we are so glad you've joined us.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is your host of Cultivated Conversations, Kara. And I am so excited about today's conversation. We are welcoming back Latoya Tucciaroni from Sustainable Home Goods. She was on the show last week. The thing is, the conversation went so long when we recorded with her that we decided to make it two podcasts. So last week, if you need to go back and listen to it, It's a big intro, learning about her, her wonderful shop, and her family, and just got into a little bit of her heart. This week, we're jumping in, and what we're calling this podcast is Waking Up to the Race Conversation. So if you're wondering why we are talking about race on a fashion podcast, an ethical fashion podcast, my co-host, Melissa, is going to jump in and just really we're jumping right into the middle of the conversation that we were having. But Melissa is going to give a big intro on why we're talking about race and how ethical fashion leads us and opens up our eyes to other justice issues. And so race is one of them. And so today we're doing a lot of listening. Guys, I think I cried editing this, just listening to her heart. Enjoy. Enjoy.
1: Well, besides LaToya's incredible business that she does and all this international travel, I'd like we were saying at the beginning of the conversation, um, really, I think the fair trade ethical purchasing world is, it is one part of justice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what LaToya and I, the conversations that kept us up late at night and... um, realizing that like heart is this idea that that we are able to work to make the world a more just Mm -hmm. place. And there's lots of ways that we can do it in. And Kara, you and I have had this conversation more times than I can (laughs) count (laughs) about our own journeys Mm -hmm. and how ethical purchasing, it's not only an outgrowth of our journey of justice, but it feeds back into it again, mm-hmm. right? Like it's kind of this revolving mm-hmm. thing where you begin to, what what purchasing ethically does is it essentially makes you stop and think. You're thinking about your purchases, what whether it's like you purchase fair trade coffee or chocolate, you're thinking about it and you've decided the reason that you're purchasing ethically is because something matters more than price Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it could be the environment it could be the treatment of the people it could be you know like there's lots of different things that kind of go into it but you've essentially realized things are not as they should be and this is a place where i can make a purchasing decision on something i believe in Mm -hmm. you know I, i think sometimes we make this idea of justice I don't know, we make it too big in some ways, Mm -hmm. you know, and like Latoya, you were talking about how it's not rocket science. It's not Mm -hmm. rocket science. We make we actually make those decisions. And we leverage our privilege in a ton of different ways. But I think that's the reason that we were like, we need Latoya on because (laughs) (laughs) because it's that conversation, I think that you and I could have for hours, right? And talking about all the different ways and all the different ways that our differences set us up for different places of justice, right? Like, Carrie, you and I have talked a lot about how one of the privileges that we carry is the privilege of being a part of the dominant cultural landscape of historical America, which is white culture, right? And that you and I live in a privileged way simply because of the color of our skin and that reality is something that again ethical purchasing leads us to these bigger conversations um and everybody gets there in different ways it's not like you start buying fair trade and are all of a sudden like (laughs) necessarily questioning questioning your existence yeah yeah (laughs) yeah not necessarily yeah
2: I was going to say, I was like, that, I think that's the money, you know, principle right there is I think that, you know, I guess fair trade is like a gateway drug <laughs> to justice mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, because it does, I think it gets you thinking about the other, right? And it gets you thinking mm-hmm. about how your decisions and your life affects other people, and you, I think it just um, you just start to become more mindful and aware of the other or of or mm-hmm. of people who are are different than you. And so I really do think that mm-hmm. it has this opportunity to affect change in that way. I think if people if, mm-hmm. if people let them, you know, I I do I think I think fair trade is a is a great, easy kind of first step into beginning to have, you know, those conversations, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but never let it stop there. Right. Because it's easy to think Mm -hmm. of justice as this global idea when justice uh, and the need for it lives in your neighborhood, perhaps even Mm -hmm. next door, you know, at your Mm -hmm. schools, you know, we live in a area that has like one of the best school systems in all of Georgia. So you're thinking, oh, we're good, like, you know? I mean, there are so many issues of equity that have to be worked out mm-hmm. in in our city. I mean, in Atlanta in general, like we're seeing um, the housing market that is pricing out our elderly uh, black neighbors who have lived in the city, like, all of their lives, and now their taxes are too high for them to pay as people come in and start gentrifying um, Uh neighborhoods. We're seeing equity problems in our school systems as far as discipline goes for a lot of our kids, homelessness in our schools, and how do we deal Uh with that, An increasing housing market that is only making good school systems accessible to those who are rich enough to pay for it you know so mm-hmm. these are all issues that are around us you know if you deal about with the police who who mm-hmm. they don't know how much money you make and so it's just like all of these different things that kind of in some way put us on on the level of needing to stop thinking about justice as a global issue and realizing that it's is an issue that's right in front of us if we choose to to see it. Yeah. So my experience is not how everyone
0: experiences the world. Yeah.
2: Right. That's huge.
1: Just that like Just, just that one ring. thing. It's like and that's it. Thanks so much for listening today yeah. to the podcast. Go and th- go and think yeah. on these things.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how to unpack that that the way I experience The police, the way I experience school, the way I experience the consignment
1: shop is different than how other people
0: are experiencing it.
1: Well, and I think it's really what it's really important to say. And I think one of the things that you and I have talked about a conversation that we feel like is really desperately needed is this conversation around um racial reconciliation you know or just racial awareness maybe is even the best place to start and kind of you and i's own journey about our own journeys of of recognizing our racial privilege and and recognizing that this is such a conversation um where we come in and and have a lot of learning and listening yeah. to do yeah
0: and i think that's great and that's okay when i asked you what we should name this podcast and you said waking up to the race conversation which just yeah you don't have to jump in the
1: deep right. end like waking up you don't even have to you don't even have to get out of bed <laughs> like honestly you can just just waking up is a painful enough experience mm-hmm. right waking up to that conversation is It is waking up, (laughs) and so it's enough that you just wake up and lay in bed kind of with your eyes wide open and kind of glazed over a little bit and think, I have not had enough coffee for this. Can I flip the
2: conversation on y'all for a sec? Ask a question, I'm gonna take over this podcast, yeah. But, um, because I would take it a step, you know, back and say, Why was that important for you guys to? begin to engage in the conversation of race. Like, you know, I think for a lot of people heard this staggering statistic from Dr. Beverly Tatum. She's the author of a book called Why Do All the Black Kids Sit Together in the Cafeteria? And she talked about like something like 74% of white people have no contact with like a person Mm -hmm. of color. So I think it's really easy for white people to be like, "Well, this doesn't really
1: affect my life."
2: So yeah. like, "Why? Why mm-hmm. do I need to wake up? Why is this important?" So I would love to hear.
1: Mm, that's such a good question. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, what um, there was, of course, there's always several points, right? Like it, it's never like this one mm-hmm. thing. It's like a, it's like a tree root where you're like this. like 16 things Mm -hmm. happened and then I was like whoa what is happening here um Ferguson was a really Mm -hmm. big one in my story Mm -hmm. right um was everything that happened in Ferguson and just thinking wait a minute what like um and then I think another really big one is I actually have an adopted sibling who is um uh, who is African descendant Mm -hmm. right but he uh move to the United States. I think that was also a really big deal because now I have a sibling who's a person of color in a place where my friends who are people of color or the stories I'm he- hearing from people of color are we don't feel mm-hmm. safe, right? Like and this is now my family. This is now my sibling. Mm-hmm. This is not just like some far removed. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the other thing. It, it came very mm-hmm. close to home. Right. It didn't, it wasn't far removed. It was really close to home. So it was like all of these overlapping moments of being like, okay, wait, what? That was my waking up Mm -hmm. moment, I think. And then I think realizing that willingly exposing myself to voices I had never heard Mm -hmm. before. Yeah. I think was a big part Mm -hmm. of it too. Finding the voices actually, um, the very first shine i went to latasha morrison was there and latasha has been a massive influencer in my mm. journey i fangirled her so hard it was crazy she I think was we like, all did. <laughs> i think we all did but like i i i I gave her a huge hug and came to find out later she was not a hugger and <laughs> she like totally called me out from on it from the stage. She was like, Where's the girl? <laughs> I was like, oh, that was me. And it wasn't
0: like a but, um, like a side hug or just like a Oh no, Melissa does not. Hug. Just it was side like hugs. you were like <laughs> no, I remember it.
1: I, no, I, I was I was fangirling. You don't understand. I was like meeting one of my heroes and so I was like <laughs> and I think she's like wow sister you are intense and I was like yes I am <laughs> but I, again I think I um trying to find where the voices mm-hmm. were where are the voices that I can listen to um to try and hear a different a different perspective but those I think were I think too the whole thing about finding
2: voices you can listen to is um that I would encourage people in is is find voices that make you a little uncomfortable, you know, find voices that make you uncomfortable because, um, because that means that they're stretching you and they're growing and they're helping you to think about things differently. Um, Mm -hmm. I've just had some people send me some crazy stuff and I'm just like, wow, you can find anything to justify your opinion uh, sometimes. And I'm just like, You know, I had I had a, a white friend of mine send me a um, podcast with a black kid on it who's literally 20 years old, an undergraduate student at Columbia University who doesn't believe that systematic injustice is a thing. And I literally had to write her back and, and say, I'm sorry, but you're not – giving me a 20-year-old child <laughs> <That's> <laughs> to, you know – it, it's just like, come on, folks, you know? So, yeah, so being willing to allow yourself to to be out of your comfort zone and knowing that oftentimes that can be a very a good thing, you know?
0: For me, it was meeting friends mm. of color and that were different than me, different experiences and listening. Mm, and then... I was telling y'all earlier, being in Tulsa and living just a couple of miles from the John Hope Franklin Center for Reconciliation, I jumped in the deep end and joined their docent program mm-hmm. and learned all about racial history in Tulsa and Oklahoma and put myself in yeah. a lot of situations that were stretching me and made me squirm like crazy. Mm-hmm. When I put myself in those uncomfortable Situations for me, someone asked me who Paul Lawrence Dunbar was, and I had no idea. And I was working in a neighborhood called the Dunbar neighborhood and mm. um, just pushing me to learn about history.
2: Yeah. And mm-hmm. making
0: okay. me squirm and calling me out sometimes that I don't like a lot. So, but a yeah. lot of like what you're saying, listening to different voices and their different experiences. That the way I have experienced the world as a tall, blonde, white woman is not how most people have experienced it. Yeah, Lots yeah. of listening.
1: Well, and I think that's the thing we want to just encourage our podcast listeners to is that um, wherever you are in your journey, listening is never a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> and it's never a an incorrect posture mm-hmm. to take. Um.
0: Yeah, Latoya, what would you suggest as our listeners are beginning this conversation or just this listening experience? Experience is the wrong word, but.
2: Yeah, no, you know, seeking to engage. Yeah. I I really do think educating yourself uh, first is huge. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think not relying on your, you know, black friends to do all of the education for you necessarily. And like yeah. Melissa said, there's so many resources out there and it's kind of a rabbit hole. Like one thing will lead to another, lead to another. The Be the Bridge group is a great resource because not only does it give you a platform for listening, but there is literally like a referral list of just books and resources Mm -hmm. and things that you can begin to use to to read and then I think once you've kind of educated yourself and questions are arising or things are stirring up in, in your soul then that might be a great time to come and engage and and I would say in a posture of humility because it is mm-hmm. like it's such a learning process and you know, and I'll personally share my story as a growing up as a middle class black woman that my experience was very different than a um, like a, a poorer black woman might have mm-hmm. experienced. And all of the judgment that I placed on my brothers and sisters, who grew up in environments that were not like mine. Like I really had, you know, God really broke my heart over that. And I actually read, um, ta Coates book between the world and me. And what I loved about that is he has this brilliant way of bringing people into the psychology of, of a person uh-huh. into, into their mind and their thinking and, I was just broken there to just be like, Oh my gosh. Like I've never thought about it like that. I've never had to experience life like that. I've never had to experience Mm -hmm. a life that might lead me to make these decisions that are so different than my own. And I think letting those things break you, you know, instead of shying away from them or, or just thinking it's too painful, like It's almost just like a scar and it will heal with time Mm -hmm. and it will make you stronger, you know, but so that was kind of like the beginning of my journey of like, oh my gosh, like I, I have so much to learn, uh, like as a black woman. And so yeah, so allowing yourself to be uncomfortable finding spaces to be able to process your thoughts and what you're thinking. And again, Be The Bridge is a great place for that to start meeting in person with other people and having those conversations like you had. And again, you know, if you're not around a lot of people of color, just in your natural you know, community. Again, there's a great online community there that you can reach out to um, and be engaged in. And um, so, yeah, the resources are out there. Just read, engage, because it really is like, it's an important conversation to have. It's an important if you care about justice, I feel like it's just like you can't just, it's not this thing that can be compartmentalized, mm-hmm. you know, and I just care about yeah. justice yeah. for my clothing yeah. or for my home goods <laughs> or my, the jewelry yeah. that yeah. I wear, you know. You have to yeah. care about justice for, for all people because chances mm-hmm. are one day at some point it is going to come home It is going to come close to you. and. I want to rewind. You
0: mentioned not asking your friends of color to do all the educating for you. Yeah. So you actually kind of said that pretty quickly and kept on going on educating yourself. But break that down for our listeners on what does that look like? So I think as white women, we don't even realize we're doing it here I am asking you to explain. It. <laughs> no worries.
2: Um, sometimes there's a place for it. So I won't, yeah. I won't rule it out completely, but, but yeah, I think it's easy. I think Karen, I, you and I were talking about this earlier today to only connect with your, your friend of color on um, the issue of race, you know, mm-hmm. like they're just yeah. like your go-to person. Um, about race. And, and I think that's something that's really important to understand is, is for a lot of people of color talking about these stories, having to rehash them, it's almost like reliving trauma, like mm-hmm. over and over again, having to under, to live and share your feeling of otherness, of mm-hmm. being marginalized, of being treated unfairly simply because of the color of your skin like that's that's traumatic to somebody mm-hmm. and so to have them have to enter into that space over and over and over again only for you to learn it, it can be painful and especially since there are so many resources out there and really there are a lot of white people who have done the work who have done a great job of doing the work and educating themselves, um, that there are voices that that you can hear from that are not just mm-hmm. people of color. And so I would really encourage that and and, and learn to just be friends with your your, yeah. your people of color. And I think in a more <laughs> natural context, those things will come up in their own time and in their own way instead of, of just using them for, for just yeah. that aspect of yeah. education.
1: Well, and Latoya, you talked about something I think that's really, really important um, in recognizing. And I think it's really important in particular for the white community, which is this idea of mm-hmm. grief. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can wake up to this mm-hmm. conversation without mm-hmm. grieving. That's so good. And I think the challenge is that you, that we are made to grieve in yeah. community very understandably and in a very right way there's a there's a desire for for a community to be involved in that process but the challenge mm-hmm. is that that desire will often bring mm-hmm. pain mm-hmm. and heartache to the very people you want mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. connect with and yeah. right like and be reconnected to and so um, and so it's complicated. I don't, I, I don't want to try and simplify it. Oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah.
2: So- I think Austin Channing Brown addresses it in, in her book. You know, mm-hmm. I'm still here, you know, of like random white people who would come up to her and just like apologize. Yeah. And,
1: and, you know, <laughs> and she's <just> like, you <laughs> I know, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
2: you know, and there is this sense of like, <laughs> I don't need your apology. In order for right. you to feel right. absolved of whatever, like, yes. guilt you are feeling. I do think that there is a need to to process that grief and absolve that grief. Right. And really, like, y'all, something that has been huge for me is this awakening that, like, that white women like you guys can really be having this conversation like with each other. And, you know, cause here yes. in Georgia, we had a really big election, right? Um, mm-hmm. It was Stacey uh-huh. Abrams and um, Brian Kemp and, you know um, and they both just kind of represent like the old order and the new order. And it, it, it just brought out a lot of stuff here in Georgia. And when the election polls came out, seeing that, you know, 76% of white women voted for this, this one man. And um, yeah, it really brought out a lot of stuff on, on both sides about, okay, well, what do you guys really think about people of color and women of color that you would vote this way and all this kind of stuff. And realizing that your demographic as white women is very uh, powerful and in the way you vote, and the way you purchase. And I think that having these conversations of processing grief, of trying to engage in racial, racial reconciliation, I think a lot of it starts with you guys talking mm-hmm. and grieving mm-hmm. together, right? You know, um, I identify as a Christian, and I think something that the church does not address very well is this idea of corporate responsibility, Right. You know, um, Mm. I encounter a lot of white people who are like, I'm not racist. Um, I don't own slaves. I know I didn't do this. I, you know, it wasn't me kind of deal. But I think when you look at the Bible, there is this in especially in the Old Testament, there's this very strong sense of just like this corporate identity, and, um, and, and and there's, in fact, like there's this really cool verse that I was like, well, what in the world? Um, in Ezra, you know, Ezra is this man of impeccable personal integrity. Um, and essentially, you know, God's people do something that they're not supposed to. He didn't do it, but they did. Um, and he says this prayer to God. And he's like, oh, my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you. My God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. Um, that's Ezra nine six. And, and what's so crazy about that passage is he did nothing wrong, but yet yeah. Yeah. there's this understanding that well, these are my people, and so like we collectively like take responsibility for that. And so you know, what would it look like to grieve? together that this is the world that we live in what would it look like to sit together and say okay how do we use our platform as and our privilege as white women to begin to have have change and i can almost guarantee you that if black men and women start seeing hordes of white women like leading the charge in the area of justice and racial reconciliation like you're gonna win some cool points, you know, like, and and I think that those (laughs) those conversations that feel so awkward will start to become very natural because your heart is changed for justice. Your heart is changed for racial reconciliation and it's no longer a matter of, am I gonna say the right thing, do the right thing in front of my person of color, but your heart will have changed. And if that work needs to be done within your collective community, you know, then then do that, and then maybe spread out to, to people of color. But I've just been really realizing yeah. that, like, it's almost like like y'all need to have like a come to Jesus moment with each other and and grieve mm-hmm. together and have some corporate responsibility and bring change because you know white women, you guys have more power than I think you guys realize more than you've yeah. probably been led to believe because of some Mm -hmm. patriarchal issues that our country
1: also struggles Mm -hmm. with as well so well I love what you're saying Latoya because essentially I think the grief that will come from waking up to this conversation and it will come Mm -hmm. I mean it will and it confusion like it will be hard emotions that will come and that's okay but the way through is that there is work to be done the mom and me ready so daniel tiger is this kid show that daniel every tiger. parent needs to utilize <laughs> in their parenting joel and i are like at least 75 percent of our parenting is daniel Tiger, like for real i like i'm like oh daniel tiger has a real yeah, story right, about that. right? <laughs> you know but there is one of the shows talks about um saying i'm sorry is the first step then how can i help mm. and this whole deal is like sorry mm. is not enough Right. This is the lesson that they're teaching, like saying, I'm sorry, is not enough. It's not. an. The question is, what do Mm -hmm. I do with that? And so um, the way through the grief, you have to have a grieving place. And I think Latoya, you speak so much wisdom to say, find other white friends to be Mm -hmm. your grieving place. Right. Like find that grieving place in a safe space that's not going to be harmful for your friends of color. But I just want to say the way through is to find good, find out what the good work mm-hmm, is then. Mm-hmm. So how can we help? So what can mm-hmm. be done, right? And those are the deeper conversations. And that's okay. We're not having those conversations right now, and that's okay. But those are the deeper conversations that will actually bring resolution to that mm-hmm. grieving. Or a
2: resolution um, to what you are grieving,
1: you know? Exactly. Like to that, to that emotional, you know, because you've got to get through that in order to get to the work that's Mm -hmm. beyond it, in order to now, in the same way that we ethically purchase, right, in order to actually start making real on the ground decisions that are lived out of this new reality that we're in.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, you guys have been talking about it the whole time. You know, we kind of joked about part A and part B of the podcast, but I think you guys talked about early on the idea of privilege, right? And, you know, and how do you steward that privilege? I would say that is one of the ways, you know, um, as you are processing your guilt and you're saying, okay, well, what now? start learning how do I steward my privilege in a way that is beneficial um for you know the marginalized people groups around me um and that looks like Mm -hmm. a lot of of different ways I mean really a lot of different ways um something really practical and (laughs) not to like plug myself too much, but like supporting Black-owned businesses and being intentional mm-hmm. to to do that. I mean, that's huge. That's right, awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, being a part of a diversity committee if your your school has one, um, voting for equity within your school system, within the housing department, um, voting. Uh, voting in ways where marginalized people are uplifted and um, and helped and the poor are cared for. You, teaching your kids to use their voice if they see another kid being teased or alone uh, because they're different. You know, teaching your kids to, to be a voice um, to stop. You know, hurting and and pain and and those types of things. So, what stewarding your privilege looks like can 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 look a lot of of different ways. But like Melissa was saying, I think you have to go to that hard through that hard place to get to the side where you can really understand the importance of that stewardship. And it's not something that's simply motivated out of guilt because that will never sustain mm-hmm. you. Black people don't want oh. you to feel guilty. Like that's yeah. not, that's not just mm-hmm. like, and, and, and that's the end. It's not
1: helpful. Yeah. In the yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Like it's paralyzing. Um, so move beyond the guilt to, to action, to heartfelt change um and that and that that yeah. makes all the difference in the world
0: i feel like our <laughs> listeners should be on our google hangout to see me just like sitting here like listening
1: <laughs> and i'm swatting a bug as a spy. Sorry, <laughs>
0: our listeners are not going to get the two-hour version of this conversation that wow. we're now on i know <laughs> on our outline, we've talked about like some things maybe not to say, just that we don't, it's like, we don't even realize we're saying these things or what comes across when we're saying them. And, um, I'd like to hear from you some things that you'd like to just hear, um, or not hear, <laughs> right. not yeah. here. Um, but I do want to talk about two colorblindness. I want to make yeah. sure we hit on that because that is something in the white community that we haven't, I hear it a lot. I hate and it. Like my mm-hmm. kid is colorblind. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. And even for myself, my son, my husband and I are white. My son is black, mm. and he is four, mm-hmm. and he knows mm-hmm. he is not colorblind, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. is proud of his skin color. And when and... we are around our friends of color, he will stick out his arm and put it up next to their arm and go, "We're the same." that's awesome yeah what beautiful so
2: yeah so they're not but oh man you're right I mean people say that so much and it's so harmful on on like so many different levels and I think I mean I think I get the heart of it is you know trying to get down to our basic humanity but I think uh, I think we need to get to a, a place where we're okay with colorfulness, you know, instead of color blindness. Like, I see all the colors and they're beautiful and they're yeah. amazing, and I want to enjoy and experience it all. Yes. I think yeah. that is like a more healthy place to be in than to try to suppress like a reality Mm -hmm. and yeah I mean I don't really know if there's much else to say about that because it's just it is it is what it is like that the color of my skin as a woman dictates a lot of things by about my life and so it's almost insulting when people say that because it completely negates my life experience. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's like when I walk into a room. I know I went to a conference; three hundred and fifty women. There's only two black women in the entire room. Guess what I feel when I walk in there? Like yeah. the color of my skin is very apparent in that room. And so, when you tell me you don't see it again, like you're negating my my experience and my sense of otherness. Mm-hmm that i i I regularly feel so i would i would steer clear of that it seems that's why i feel like in this
0: conversation there are things like that that like years ago i was like okay colorblindness and yeah thought about it and was like oh wow this is how that this word is being experienced and what it's meaning I was going to say, once you start talking to people of color,
2: I'm sure that's when you, yeah. Yeah.
0: But what are some other things that we could avoid?
2: Um, I think saying I'm not racist, um, is another one that people, so Mm -hmm. I would, you know, stay away from, um, from going there. Cause again, it almost sounds like you're trying to absolve yourself from the Mm -hmm. conversation. And, um, and in moments like that, it, it, it's not really about you, you know. Necessarily, that might sound mm-hmm. harsh. Um, I'm not trying to be harsh. <laughs> no. um, so that that's um, a big one. And allowing yourself when
0: I've tried to put myself in the last few years in a position of when when my own prejudice comes up mm-hmm. and it smacks me in the face, and I'm like oh my gosh, it's still there. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's deal with that, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Instead of that defensive, nope, I don't have any racism, I don't have any prejudice, Yeah, you know? And putting that wall up, putting yourself in a position of, okay, I want, when it comes to the surface, let's deal with it. Yeah. You know, and move forward and not, nope, but I'm not prejudiced, but I'm not... Racist. No, it's there. When it comes up, I need to deal Mm -hmm. with it and seeking it out too. And so.
2: Yeah. 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 I think that's so good. So, yeah, but again, you know, I was talking to my husband about that question and he really brought up a good point um, that really should preface everything that we just said. And he's just like, if you're doing the hard work of the heart change, you won't have to worry about like, am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Like sometimes almost focusing so much on, am I saying the right thing can be a distractor from, it can keep that change on a very shallow level, Mm -hmm. you know? But if you are doing the work of, of really letting your heart change, your perspective change, and you're really soaking in these new truths and realities. Like with that education and with that change, you won't have to you won't have to worry about that. Um so much. So so I do want to back up and say that. Like Yeah, that's good. Yeah, don't don't just worry about what to say. It's it's so much it's so much deeper than that. You know, mm-hmm. do the educational work. Be in relationship uh, with people who are different than you. And all that other stuff will will work its way out.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. We were talking about this earlier. and Just self-discovery of myself, learning I'm an Enneagram one. <laughs> and um, that, like, what to say is, and not saying the wrong thing is, in Mm -hmm. so many aspects of my life is paralyzing sometimes because I always want to say the right thing. I, Mm -hmm. I like clear pathways. I like, Mm -hmm. this is how you do this. Mm -hmm. And this is how you, this is what to do and what not to do. And so in these relational conversations and it just messes with me sometimes. So (laughs) if any of our listeners are there, like that's, if you're Enneagram one, that has been my, something I've had to work through is, Mm -hmm how I like those clear cut answers Mm -hmm. and how that's just not always going to be the case, the Mm -hmm. pathway.
2: No. In fact, um, one of my heroes, Melissa will know about our cherry. She is one of our artists and yes, you would know about her. too. Um, Uh She said this quote at one of the shine conferences that you must be willing to be the odd one in your community in order to be a bridge. And that has just always stuck with me. And, and I always tell people, like, you have to be willing to enter into kind of that awkwardness and that, mm-hmm. you know, uncomfortable place in order to be a bridge. Um, because it, it just is, it just is what it is. And it's funny because <laughs> random story, but I had to have a conversation with this guy that I really liked is like, in my early twenties or something. And it was going to be really hard. And my friend was like, yeah, it's going to be awkward and it's going to be hard. And there was something about her just naming it, what it was and giving Mm -hmm. me the power to just let it be what it was that like, yeah, it took away the power to make it weird. It was just like, there was, I don't know, there was just, like, freedom to be, like, yeah, it's going to be a little awkward, and it's going to be painful, but it has to happen, and it's worth it um, to step into those spaces, and so I I would say that for your listeners, that, like, it's okay, Um, and that's where true change and where true reconciliation um, happens, like, there is no point in history where change and reconciliation has ever been easy or comfortable. Like none. Yeah. Um, and so if this is really the work that you're, you're wanting to enter in and be a part of, um, yeah, it, is, it just is what it is. But man, it's so sweet and it's so beautiful mm-hmm. and life-changing um, mm-hmm. once you begin that journey.
0: This has been so good thank you so much latoya for chatting with us it's
2: been so So good it's so fun talking with you guys
0: (laughs) Uh, we do want to wrap up we always and this is where i joke with being my friend our conversation goes from really deep to (laughs) (laughs) a pair of shoes i just bought Um, i love it and when we started this podcast a big heart of it for uh, melissa and i was like kitchen table conversations and these mm-hmm. are how they go for us is yeah. get into these really deep conversations and then we talk about purchasing something for our home or for yeah. our kids or our brand new sho- shoes we love so <laughs> gosh we're just going to point everybody to your business to say yeah. this is the yeah. new <laughs> ethical company you need to be watching
2: yay um, that's awesome
0: But tell us something, a recent purchase that you've made that you're loving. Yeah. And a recent or a purchase that you're looking forward to making. So
2: I got my first pair of Everlane jeans. So Uh that's awesome. So those have been great. I've been following the company for a long time and, um, I know that they really focus on um, ethical sourcing and transparency, so, mm-hmm. um, so that is great. Um, and then a company that I actually want to carry one day, the, the hope and the goal right now, I'm mostly e-commerce business, but the goal that we're working towards is to be a brick and mortar. And the company yeah. I want to carry at that time and purchase from is called Tonele. Um, have you all talked about them? I'm sure... We haven't. I've been following them, though. Yes, I love them. So I've purchased from them in the past, but uh, just a little about them. They are a zero-waste clothing company um, based out of Cambodia. Just love their business model of going into the markets, buying the scraps that other manufacturers just throw out. And they get Mm -hmm. them, wash them, and base their designs off of what they have and then even when they cut out the patterns they um the scraps they break them down into pulp and make all their tags out of them um Mm. so yeah so it's really cool and they're really on the forefront of the conversation about ethical fashion um there's another company i love too called studio 189 It's actually Mm -hmm. uh, two women um, who started it. Rosario Dawson is one of them, the actress. But they work with women in Ghana. Um, They make their products. And it's just this beautiful celebration of African prints and fabrics with, you know, really um, edgy silhouettes. And one day I hope to afford it. They're pretty pricey. They're pretty, like high fashion uh-huh. but they are really leading the charge um in the high fashion world to begin having that conversation about what does it look like to be ethical and to create jobs and um yeah it's a really beautiful company awesome
0: well Ooh. thank you so much for being on the show well, today
2: thanks for having me ladies it was so much fun <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thank you for the platform that you guys are creating um, just to push this conversation forward and to educate people on um, justice issues and beautiful fashion. And I love that those things can all go together. Like, you don't yeah. have to be separate. So,
0: Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There you have it guys I hope you really enjoyed hearing from Latoya hearing her heart oh she started preaching there in the middle didn't she oh that's when I started tearing up I was recording this and it hit me out of nowhere and I just started tearing up okay we did not get into resources we talked about a few but I need you to go to our show notes and I have listed out everyone that she mentioned and we mentioned on the show but then also we list out extra resources for you. So go on over there. Next week on the show, we will have Anna Patak. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear from her. She is an adult adoptee from India. So you know that perked my ears when I learned that about her because my daughter is from India as well. And so I invited her on. One big reason is she is a fashion designer for a lot of ethical brands. And so, you know, I'm like super interested in that. So brought her on, we talk a lot about that. Her episode is also split into two. We will talk a lot about her fashion designing. And then in another episode, we're going to talk about her adoption journey and some thoughts she has on that. So come back next week to meet another amazing woman.